Welcome to Dare a New Belief, a place to discover what is possible for your life after the loss of a loved one, and where you will find inspiration, insight, support, and love, and hopefully a bit of laughter to help you through the day. Now here's your host, Nada Hogan. Hello and welcome to Dare a New Belief in What is Possible for Your Life. I'm your host, Nada Hogan, and today I have the great honor to introduce to you my friend and psychotherapist and counselor, Joanne King. Joanne is a member of the American Psychological Association and is experienced in mindfulness-based stress reduction, mindfulness-based eating, mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, and dialectical behavioral therapy. And her practice is grounded in humanistic psychology. Obviously, Joanne does a lot with mindfulness. She also is a mentor and advises others from diverse backgrounds and cultures, as well as those from varying socioeconomic conditions. Her expertise lies in working with people to help empower them in their lives, relationships, and work, while the foundation of her practice centers on authenticity, equanimity, and personal growth. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Joanne. Hello, Joanne. Aloha, Nada. <laughs> I love it. Aloha, Aloha from the beautiful island of Maui. Ah. Uh, Beautiful, yes. And can you share with the listeners what your temperature is today on this cold winter day for us? Oh gosh, it's probably about 78. It's warm, it's sunny, the birds are singing. Uh, it's just every day is a beautiful day here. I'm so grateful to live here, honestly. Yeah, that's gorgeous. That's gorgeous. I love that. So, Joanne, you know that my podcast is based around overcoming challenges of, of any magnitude and of any, any type. So it could be the surviving the loss of a loved one or just challenges that come up in our life. And would you be willing to share with the audience a little bit about a challenge that you had to overcome and what the benefits were from overcoming that challenge? Sure, of course. I was in a marriage where I was unhappy and I was not really feeling like I was living my truth, which is a very uncomfortable feeling, I think, for most people. And so I decided that I was going to change things. And what helped me through that change and challenge was practicing yoga and practicing meditation connecting with my inner self was where I actually got the guidance to move forward and decide to do something differently so I could be happy. And it was when I came to Hawaii, when I started coming to Hawaii for visiting, it was almost like a veil was just lifted and I could see that life could be fun and joyful. <laughs> and I thought, oh my gosh, I want that. And that's when I decided to just leave and come and begin a new life here in Hawaii. Oh, I think that is just spectacular. And especially when you say like a veil has been lifted, because how many times do we go through our life not even knowing that there's something different? We can change our circumstances. We can live a life where we literally end up saying things like life is just totally fun and joyful, 
right? I mean, that is completely in our control. Would you agree with that? I do. I completely agree with that. Happiness is an inside job, definitely. Yes, yes. So did you become a yoga instructor when you got to Hawaii or was that, were you already working on that when you were still in the the lower 48, right? Isn't that what you guys refer to? (laughs) I lived in the, I actually lived in the Chicagoland area and I did it through a program there in Chicago, which uh, I think it was two years. It was a two year certification program. It was quite extensive. And I enjoyed every minute of it because it's always just about the journey, isn't it? Absolutely, it is. Absolutely. And do you think you would have got to where you are now, feeling joyful, knowing that life is fun every single day, waking up to sunshine every single day? Do you think you would have got to that if you wouldn't have followed that inner calling, that inner knowing to do a mindful practice, whether it was yoga or meditation? Well, no, there was, there would be no way that I would have had the courage to move forward in a different direction had I not been able to connect with my inner self. And the only way to connect with your inner self is through contemplative practice. And so those are the two main contemplative practices people do. And I think without them, I would not have had the courage, honestly, no. Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask, how old were you when you started really getting into the contemplative practice before you became a, a yoga instructor? Was it, were you in younger in your early 20s, late teens, or did it come later in life? Well, I was always really very spiritual. I was very involved with our church. I grew up Catholic. I was a Eucharistic minister. I actually went to our local hospital and would minister the sick. I went to the nursing home. I would minister the people in the nursing home. So I did a lot of that kind of work. So it was spiritual in nature, just like it's spiritual in nature when you do contemplative practices. Yeah. Wow. I had no idea. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So everything in your world, including the counseling that you do, the book that you wrote, and I forgot to mention that at the beginning, Too Good to Go, Too Bad to Stay, the counseling, the yoga, the new program that you just now have let loose to the world, which is called, um, the name of the program itself, Ditch the Diet for Life, all of that is based around mindfulness, correct? Yes. Yeah. Both books, uh, the book and the program, both are centered around mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. So can you tell us, I have never heard of the mindfulness part around the mindful eating to lose weight. So can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sorry about that. Sure. Sure. It actually ditch the diet helps people to release the struggle that they find around food. Most people struggle, right? Oh, if I eat this, I'm going to gain weight. I can't eat that. I can't eat this. I need to count calories. There's none of that with Ditch the Diet. You can eat anything you want within limits. I mean, there are some rules in the program, but there's no counting calories. There's no food off limits. It's basically you become aware of your thoughts, your feelings, and your beliefs around food because it's really not about the food. Weight is not about the food. Holding on to your weight is not about the food. It's really about your thoughts, feelings, beliefs 
around your relationship with food because we all have a relationship with food. Yeah. So how did you discover this program? Is this something that you discovered from working with your clients or is this something that you went through personally yourself or a combination of both? So when I was younger, like much younger, of course, I did diets and they never, ever worked, ever. And then I just gave up. I said, you know what? I I can't diet. I'm just not going to diet. It's not part of me. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. And then when I started learning mindfulness and learning about mindful eating, it just kind of like resonated with me. And I felt like, oh my gosh, I got to get this out to the world because it is an amazing program. I designed it with five core components surrounding sleep, nutrition, movement, breathing, and mind. So there's those five components. Yeah. So if somebody has a problem with sleep, how does that affect their weight? If they're trying to lose weight, how does it affect the ability of them losing weight or on the other end, gaining weight? Okay. So sleep is very important to us because when you sleep, your body actually cleans out all the toxins from the cells. Every day your cells have toxins, right? Because they're metabolizing energy for their function, each cell's function. And so your body, when you sleep, has other cells that go in and clean out those toxins. So you start your day fresh and new. When you can't sleep, you become stressed. When you become stressed, your body produces a hormone called cortisol. And cortisol actually facilitates weight gain in people, and it's a stress hormone. So it, it actually is a twofold thing that isn't good, stress and weight gain. Right. So it's important to make sure you're sleeping well. It's important to make sure you move properly. I mean, there's just, like I said, these components are very, very important, and they all intertwine in a holistic fashion to help people to feel better. So not only will you lose weight, but you're going to start to feel better, and you're going to have more of a sense of a well-being. Right. And isn't that everything? As soon as you start getting that sense of well-being, how everything else in your life starts to shift because you get out of that cycle of toxic thoughts, toxic eating. And I mean toxic in the sense that eating ho-hos or cookies or potato chips, those types of things that just, that it's just bad. And then we feel bad because we ate the bad thing. And then we eat more bad because we feel so bad. Absolutely. And so a lot of times too, in this world, we dis, we are disconnected from our feelings. We don't feel, we don't feel when we're full. How many times do you eat and you don't ever feel full? You're just eating. How many times do you sit in front of the TV and you start with a bag of popcorn or potato chips and like you look down and it's gone. You finished it and you didn't even realize it. So that's a part of mindful eating that I teach people as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How easy is that to do? And I'm sure every one of us has has done that. So is it a practice for you when you get up to have breakfast or any meal that you are sitting at a kitchen table or some kind of a table, a countertop, something, you're not eating in front of a, a television set where it's just completely oblivious to what you're putting in your mouth. You're very in tuned with what it is you're eating. Is that safe to say? Yes. Yeah. And I try to do that at least with one meal every day. 
Yeah. 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 I really sit down and focus on the food. I focus on what I'm eating. You know, I think about where did this food come from? Who grew it? How did it get to me? I mean, these right. are all really important facets of eating. Right. Yeah. So, right. And that's a whole thing in itself. Living in Hawaii, you have a completely different produce than what we have in the lower 48. And even like your meat, I how how uh, naive am I to Hawaii? Do you have do you do you grow your own cattle over there? Do you have, are are there cattle farms or, or does red meat have to be shipped in? How does how does the the pro uh, we actually have some cattle farms and all of our cattle farms they are grass fed beef so there's not any of the kind of mass production like the mainland and but we wow. do have meat shipped in there is meat shipped in for sure we do have that but the meat that is there so the it, it would you would it be safe to say so all of it like do you guys have hogs do you have pigs do you get ham and we do have some okay uh, but pig farms not very many there's more cattle farms than pigs okay and all grass fed Grass-fed beef. Yeah. I don't know about the pigs. I don't really know a lot about that because we don't have that many, but oh. I know for sure the beef is all grass-fed. And so some people like that. Some people don't, you know, I, I personally, I don't eat it. So. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I, I, it never even would have occurred to me because right. Most of the cattle, the meat that comes from the 48, it, it's, all the feedlots. It's right, push them through, get them as fat as you can, butcher them up and, and sell them to the public. So, wow, that's amazing. So if we were to talk about just a little bit more with the nutrition piece of it and the ditching the diet, I'm curious about sweets because that mm -hmm. seems to be one of the biggest culprits that most people have a hard time with. And I know me, I have a very hard time with sweets. How would you counsel people on I don't know if I want to say avoiding sweets, but at least being able to decrease the sweets without having those cravings that just kind of want to run the show. Mm -hmm. So the way our food is produced, processed food, which contains massive amounts of sugar, the way it's produced is the food companies actually have engineers that they hire to produce food that tastes really good. And when you eat it, it actually lights up what we call the reward centers in the brain because of the sugar content. And so when you're eating that food and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Like I want more and you finish it. And then you say, well, I'm going to have one more because your reward center in your brain is saying, that's a good thing. Keep eating it, right? Because the reward center releases what we call a chemical called dopamine. And dopamine is our feel-good hormone. So you're getting the release of the dopamine. The reward center is going off. You want more and more and more. And so I like to explain to people that sugar actually has a lot in common with heroin and cocaine. Well, you say, well, how can that be? Yeah. Right? Well, right, they, yeah. they're processed. They're all processed from plants. Sugar is from sugar cane. Cocaine is from the cocoa leaf. And heroin is from poppy plants. Yeah. And what happens is we take it and we process it. And we process it. And so sugar actually becomes like a drug. 
it is addicting and you want more and you want more. Right. And it's not, and I, and I don't like to say it's people's fault because I feel like it's somewhat the processed food companies that are putting that out there, trying to get you to buy more and more of their potato chips, buy more and more of their cupcakes, right? Right. That's what they're in the business for. And they pay these engineers, they hire millions of dollars to research and develop these foods. So the question initially was, well, how do we cut down? Well, I think first becoming aware of what is happening in the brain, having an awareness of the dopamine and the reward system and what's going on when you eat that food. And then learning the mindful eating and beginning to be mindful of what you're eating, right? Because there is a process to mindful eating. It's not just that we look at it and say, I'm being mindful. No, there is a process that I take people through. And when they do become a student of mine, I actually, they have personal counseling sessions with me. So at that People find that helpful when they actually have what I call it a weight loss coach. I become their personal coach to help them through the program. Yeah, yeah, that's that's incredible. And I think anytime that we're trying to do something, and especially weight loss, because it's hard. It is trying to figure out what it is that I'm supposed to eat. And if we don't even know that these things are hidden and and developed on purpose to become very addictive when we don't even know that we're eating that stuff no matter what we do we're not able to get the results that we want then we beat ourselves up even more we our self esteem lowers it's just this vicious circle of ick it's just it's a spiral definitely yeah. a spiral that people go down right and yeah. And beating ourselves up because we can't do it or I'm, I'm doing everything in my power and I'm still not doing it right. And so I'm, I'm not capable of doing this. And then we start attracting all of those other events into our life to confirm, that's right, you're not capable. Self-esteem goes a little bit lower. And, and it can start just from eating potato chips or eating cookies. Who would have ever thought, right, that the whole mental process can just spiral, spiral completely out of control to this place of just total confusion and helplessness almost when it comes to the food and knowing what foods to choose and having a coach to be able to help you through that and to be on your team to give you direction and guidance to know Chemicals are actually put inside of this food to make you crave it more. It's not just you. It's if you know what not to eat and what to eat in replacement of that, you your life can be completely different. And of course, knowing all of the other processes that you go through where it's the mindfulness of it when you are eating and choosing the foods that you want to nourish your body with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. And a lot of times people eat emotionally, right? Yeah, yeah. It's all about emotional triggers, loneliness, sadness, depression, feeling isolated. Those are all things that trigger people to eat mindlessly, emotionally. Cold weather. (laughs) Cold weather. (laughs) Perhaps. perhaps. You know, I don't know if you know anything about this, but I heard from a, a very reputable chiropractor who was working with a, I guess he would have been a scientist that worked for a company. I'm not going to say the name of it, but they made crayon raisins. So you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And and my understanding is that they would take the cranberry, take all of the good stuff out of the cranberry, and it would just be the skin. And then they would fill it with a gel 
that was just loaded with sugar and I don't remember some other kind of chemical in there. So there was mm. actually no cranberry left at all except for the skin. Have you mm. ever heard of that? No, no, I haven't. But it's not surprising to me that they would fill it with a gel full of sugar. There's 61 different types of ways companies identify sugars on the labels. And that's something I I teach people too is, I mean, 61 names, different names of sugars. So it's not surprising they do that. And because it's addicting, then people start to eat it. The reward center goes off, dopamine's released. You're feeling great for the time you're eating it and a few minutes after, but then in a little while later, you're going to crash and you're going to go back to them again. So it's not surprising for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was so, I was floored when I heard that I was floored. And then I have to think about the scientists that are doing that when you know you're putting crap into something and then selling it as food. Like I wonder, do they ever bring that stuff home to their own family? Would they ever allow their own family to eat that stuff when they know what's in it? Mm, I I can't answer that. I, I scary. can't answer that question. Because you would be a good scientist and you wouldn't put any of the crappy stuff into the food. <laughs> yeah, no, I would definitely not want to poison people for oh, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Oh. So one of the things that I was thinking about, since it's cold over here in the lower 48, and we tend to want to go towards comfort foods, so heavy you know, potatoes, meats, gravies, is there anything just off the cuff that you could think of that would be like a good comfort food that would be a little bit more healthy than the traditional standard American diet? I know I kind of just pulled that one out of my hat. For me, I never say anything is out. You can eat anything you want, but you have to become aware of what you're eating. You have to connect with your body and know, is this something that works for me or is this something that doesn't work for me? I know foods when I eat them that I feel like I gain weight and I know them. And so I avoid them. I don't eat them. Or if I do eat them, I eat them in a very small quantity. Like last night I was at a party and I had a big piece of chocolate cake and it was delicious. And so nothing is off limits. You can eat anything, but you have to have an awareness around your food and understand if it works for you or if it doesn't work for you. So the only thing I recommend is probably the gravy would be the one thing I might not have with that meat dinner. Yeah. Yeah. And just tap in and notice how do I feel while I'm eating this? How do I feel after I'm eating it? And maybe even why am I choosing that food? Am I eating it just because this is out of habit? I make the same meal every single day because I'm just not a very good cook and I don't have a, a big repertoire in my in my cooking schemes or just paying attention to the things that we're cooking on the stove or putting in the oven and putting in our mouth. I mean, sometimes it can just be that simple, right? Mm-hmm. Most of the time we work on what, what I call autopilot, where yeah. we just aren't even thinking. I mean, just imagine you got into your car, you're driving to the grocery store and all of a sudden you're there and you're like, wow, I don't even know how I got here. I mean, can you relate to that? Oh, yeah. 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 So that's what I call the autopilot. And many, many times we eat on autopilot. So think about it. When you eat on autopilot, you will not really be full once you're done because you'll be like, oh, did I just eat all that? Okay, yeah, and I go back to work. But maybe an hour, two hours later, I'm hungry again. And had I been fully present in that moment eating that food, 
I would have a more satisfying meal. Yeah, yeah. I was with a Buddhist monk not too awfully long ago, and he was praying over all of his food. And what was so beautiful about it is he was praying and giving thanks for the farmers, for the trucks that shipped it over, for the workers in the store that you know stocked it onto the shelves, for the cash, the cashiers who were there to check you out and take your money in exchange for the food that you just purchased. I thought, I never thought of blessing my food in such a way to go all the way back to, to the farmers. Just, I'm grateful that it's on my, on my dining room table. I'm grateful that it's in my refrigerator, but never even thought to go all the way back and bless the farmers that had done the work to get that food grown in the first place. Yeah, that's part of our mindful program too, is we acknowledge that. We acknowledge the people who grew the food, where the food came from. Yeah, I always like to bless my food. Yeah, yeah. It's. I think it's a beautiful practice. I think it's a beautiful practice. And I know for me, I've incorporated that going all the way back to the farmers because I truly believe that right? We're all one. We're all connected. And when we have a thought and we give thanks, feel gratitude for another, no matter how many thousands of miles away they are, they reach that. That gratitude reaches that person and they get to feel that and their heart expands, whether they know it's because somebody sent them love and gratitude or not, but they can feel that. Ah, just there's a, there's a feeling. There's just a special feeling that comes with that when somebody sends us love and gratitude. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, perhaps I should um, leave your audience with a few mindful eating tips. Would that be helpful? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So the first one is it's really important to concentrate on when you eat and concentrate on yourself and how you feel as you eat that food and try to pay attention to when you really feel full and stop. Stop eating. Don't continue to eat once you feel full. Number two, turn off all electronics. So you want to be completely present in that moment, paying attention to your food with no distractions. No distractions. Yeah. Breathing. I talked a little bit about breathing as part of the program because breathing brings in fresh oxygen to the cells and oxygen is helpful in digestion. So the more you can breathe during your eating, the better it will be for you. And perhaps even you might eat a little bit less. Mm. So stop and take a breath. Yeah. This is a good one. Lots of my clients like this. Use your non-dominant hand Mm. when you eat and concentrate when you lift your utensil. So if you're right-handed, use your left hand and eat. Yeah. You will have to. You have no choice. You will eat slower. Yeah. Yeah. I've tried that before and I've poked myself in the lips. So you oh, have to be no. very careful. <laughs> you have to go slower. Uh-huh. Did you find it helpful? Oh, crazy helpful. Yes. And also, I, I also was taught use your non-dominant hand and then set your fork mm-hmm. down in between. Yes. So you mm-hmm. have to fully engage with chewing and being present with that food in your mouth. Yeah. Yep. But it was mm-hmm. absolutely helpful for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pay attention to all your thoughts, feelings, and sensations when you eat. Yeah. Especially the taste. Yeah. And what that taste reminds you of. Is this like grandma's chicken soup or what are we thinking when we're eating this? Right. Use a smaller plate and mm. cut your food into smaller bites. That really is very helpful. Yeah. 
And the most important that I feel is paying attention to your hunger cues. Know when you're satisfied and when you're full. That's really important. And always just be grateful. Be thankful for your food and your good health as you eat. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful tips. Beautiful tips, Joanne. I want to circle back to the breathing one. Can you can you say the breathing piece one more time? Okay. What was your question in regards to breathing? So when when you are doing your eating and breathing, and are we focusing on our breath while we're eating? Or are we just taking a break during that meal just to take a couple nice big cleansing breaths? How did the breathing piece fit in? So in between bites, if you can stop and just take a breath. Okay. I think that's that's probably the best way to do that. Okay. Just pay attention. Don't stop breathing while you're eating. I yeah. That's really important. <laughs> well, I mean, we breathe, but we, we would breathe very shallow. Yeah. when Because we're eating, and so it's a very shallow breath. Right. But if you can take a bite, swallow it, and then stop and take a really deep breath. So the oxygen comes in, clean, fresh oxygen. Yeah. To help with digestion. Yeah. And isn't it just as you were speaking that I just took in a nice deep breath just to be here present. And so when you do that, when you're eat, you when you're doing that, when you're eating, you are so present to that food, to that moment. It's just, it's a completely different experience. You just are. Just by adding the breathing piece in while you're eating. Exactly. All of these tips will help you to reset your focus to being mindful in the moment when you're eating. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love I love everything about this and I'm very interested to know more about the mindful eating program and you and I will talk about that a little bit more in yes. private. And hopefully I'll just bring you back on the show and we'll talk some more about that on another date. But I want to circle back real quick before we wrap this up and bring it in for a landing because this podcast is a lot about helping people overcome challenges, be in a community of people that have had to overcome challenges, what is it, if there is something that you could give an experience or a tip that you could give the audience that would help them to know with some kind of challenge challenge that you had to overcome, what it was that helped you to build the courage? I know we had talked about the, the mindfulness you know, the whole piece with connecting with your inner self before you moved to Hawaii, because that was a huge courageous step for you to take. But is there anything else with that story or is there anything else in your life that you could share with us about finding our own inner courage? And one of the reasons I want you to touch on this, on your website, you have this most beautiful quote, and I'm going to read it right from your website where it says, You've always had the power, my dear. Mm-hmm. You just had to learn it for yourself, said mm-hmm. Linda, the good witch. That's one of my favorites. It is. It's awesome. And I so believe that we all have that power, but we forget or we get disconnected from it. And when that happens, it, it feels like we are victims to the world and that we're powerless, that we can't do the things that we want to do in our life or change the things that we want to change in our life. So if you could speak to that with one incident or one tip that you can share with the audience, I would be so grateful. So I believe that most of that comes from living in fear. Mm. And fear is a very, very strong emotion and motivator. 
So when you live in fear, you perhaps will keep doing the same thing over and over again because you can't step out of that fear to move forward. So the most important thing I could say is it's really important to believe in yourself. The second part of that is you must trust and you must trust that you know you will get through this and everything is going to work out for you. It's the most important thing. Believe in yourself and trust that everything will work out perfectly. Yeah. And that's, you know, people are thinking, oh, it's easy for you to sit there and say that, but I lived it. I went through it. I had to believe in myself and know and trust that I could get this done because it was something I really wanted. I really wanted to live in Hawaii. I loved Hawaii. I loved coming here. The energy is so much different than anywhere else I've ever lived. And I've lived in many different states. The energy here is just this beautiful feminine healing energy that engulfs you when you're here. And it's it's amazing. And I wish everyone could find that trust and belief in themselves so they can move into their happiness. Absolutely. And it's the thing that I love so much about you and your story is because it you weren't born in Hawaii. You're not just living this beautiful life and beautiful lifestyle because it was handed to you. You had to go through some major changes and challenges and obstacles, and you had to tap into your own inner power to be able yes. to get to where you are right now. It was not handed to you. And that's the part that's so important that you got to know really what you're capable of and your potential. And you got to live right into that. And I just think it's so beautiful. And when we see somebody else doing that, I believe it gives all of us permission to be able to stand into our own greatness and our own becomingness of our own full potential. Mm, That's beautiful. Thank you, Nita. That's really lovely. Actually, just so you know, I was born in New Jersey. Oh, wow. A Jersey girl. I had no way. I never would have guessed that in a million years. Never. <laughs> we lived We lived right outside of Manhattan. So we went into the wow. city all the time. And we just grew up very, very urban. I, I think I want to say I was six when I learned that meat came from a cow, like chopped meat. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know where it came from. I mean, I was just such a city person, a city girl. That was my life. I had no idea that it was a cow. Like what? Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? (laughs) I know it sounds silly, but it's true. No, I love it. Well, do you want, so I'm going to up you one on, well, on age anyways. When I moved out to Minnesota, I was 35 years old, moved out to Minnesota and there's this big sign of the Jolly Green Giant. Remember him? Right from the the canned foods. Mm -hmm. So there's this huge sign of the Jolly Green Giant. It's like, oh my God. There's a jolly green giant. I had never seen a huge figure of the, I mean, he was huge, like, I don't know, 40, 50, 60 feet. And it was just an on. My husband, his name is Dennis. Dennis said, Yeah, you know, we grow corn and peas for green giant. It's like, like what? Like you, you grow food for the green giant. How do you do that? And he just looked at me with this puzzled look like, how do you think the vegetables get inside of those cans to be put on the shelf? And do you know at 35 years old, the honest to God truth was, I never thought about it. I just knew you went to the store, you picked up what you wanted. I never thought somebody in a big field had to grow all of that stuff. And it could be a normal person. Like the Jolly Green Giant was way beyond my reach. (laughs) That's so funny. Oh my gosh, right? I know. Oh, yeah. Crazy. 
Yeah. Where did you grow up? Where are you from? Well, I grew up in Montana. So, you know, and we, we had just, we had an acre lot. It wasn't big, but my dad always had a garden in the summertime. So we had, you know, sweet peas and cabbage and, you know, all of the kind of of garden foods, but it wasn't on this huge scale. So it didn't even, it didn't even relate to me that, I mean, there's, uh, there's no excuse for me not to know where corn and peas and that has to be grown in the ground and somebody had to grow it, put it in the cans and stick it up on the shelves. Yeah. Someone had to pick it, right? Right. Right. It's just, it's amazing how we take all of that stuff for granted, but we do that. We do, we end up living in patterns and never thinking past what we see in front of us or thinking past what we know from how we were, were brought up. It's just crazy when all of a sudden it's just like, oh my God. And the only reason that occurred to me is because I was from one state and went to a completely different state. If I didn't see that huge statue, I probably would still never think who the hell grows the food that that puts it inside the cans and puts it up on the shelf so I can go and buy it. It wouldn't even occur to me. You know, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy how we live our lives sometimes. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. I love that you didn't know where meat came from, but you were six. I was 35. So <laughs> I would like to say, let's keep this a secret, but it's no longer a secret. Yeah. No more for that. <laughs> oh, so Joanne, I want to thank you so much for being here and you have given the listeners such awesome tips and information. And I know that they're going to want more information. So, and this will be in the show notes, everybody. So don't worry if you don't get a chance to write this down, but can you tell the listeners where they can contact you, find out more information about the mindful eating program or how to work with you or find out more information about your book? Sure. They can just, they can call me. That's probably the easiest way. My number is 808-385-7513. Okay, perfect. And don't worry, her information will be in the show notes, so it will be easy to find. Mm, I'll also give you my email for your show notes too, if that would be helpful. Absolutely. Yeah, in case anyone wants to email. Sure, yep. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much for having me as a guest. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did too. It was fabulous. And I know that everybody got great information out of it. You are a wealth of knowledge. You have so much experience and so much wisdom to share. And it was just absolutely my honor to be able to spend this time with you. And I am grateful. And thank you very much. Thank you. Such a treat, Nada. Thank you so much. I'm just going to bid aloha to you and your listeners and mahalo. (laughs) Mahalo, Joanne. Take good care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we'll talk to all of you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for spending time with us today. Please go to nadahogan.com for show notes and other information that you can use right away. If you like what you've heard here, please subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to rate and review right there on iTunes, Stitcher, or however you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.